0: Mark chapter 5, uh, we're going to be continuing and finishing up Mark chapter 5 and our series uh, Follow uh, through the Gospel of Mark. We're looking at the power of touch this morning. We've established that Jesus is Lord over the deep and over the demons. Uh, they were We talked about when Christ was out on the boat with his disciples and he calmed the storm. Last week he cast the legion of demons out of the Uh, The demoniac at Gadara and uh, we we see he was traveling over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and uh, today we're going to see he's also Lord over disease and over death and uh, uh, as we talked about last Sunday he delivered a man from the dead Jesus delivered him he broke the chains of sin the bondage That Satan had placed on his life so this morning I want us to dive into we're gonna start with verse 21 and see a man that's in need a man that is is desperately in need of a touch from God and and it's it's amazing to see this morning two very different scenarios in our text and yet God is gonna meet each one of them exactly where they are Look at Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. It says, When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. He was beside the sea. They were no doubt waiting for his return as he would come back across the Sea of of Galilee. In the midst of all of the, the, the fans, the people that were following Jesus, trying to see what he was doing, They were expressing a belief in in who Jesus was, and and many of them along the way, as they were seeing Christ perform miracles and cast out demons. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are Are you a fan, are you a fickle fan, or are you a faithful follower of Jesus? Because you see what happens is so many people in this world are are just looking for for God to do something big in their life for a moment and then they want to continue on living their life the way that they've planned it out. Maybe they've mapped out a a certain life plan or goals and I want to go to a certain college or I want to get married at a certain time or I want to have a certain number of kids or live in a certain neighborhood or have a certain social status and we think if we just uh, get to that point, We will have arrived. And if God could just bless our plan, somehow uh, life will be grand. Are you a fickle fan or are you a faithful follower? Go back to verse 22. It says, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. We're given the name of this man. uh, And it's interesting, Jairus comes from the word Jair. And it's taken from one of Israel's judges. It means Jehovah enlightens this man is uh is famous he is but yet he falls in humility before jesus the the son of god and he falls at the feet of jesus and he's in crisis he needs help that only jesus christ can provide his daughter is in danger she is at the point of death and he's desperate in verse 23 he says he implored him earnestly saying my little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And it's obvious. It doesn't matter if you are a, a, a guy who's possessed by a devil, uh, you desperately need Jesus. Here's a man uh, of great authority and power, he desperately needs Jesus. Do you see a, a common theme? All of us are in desperate need. Jesus, We need Jesus' power and his strength. We need him to radically transform our lives. And this dad calls out for him to transform his daughter's life as she's at the point of death. And I understand that. I have two daughters myself and two sons. And I can only imagine if, if one of them were at the point of death. I would do anything within my power as a father to make sure that they got the medical care that they needed, and they were able to get the help that they needed at this moment. And we know from Luke's account, she's an only child, and Jairus has heard uh, that Jesus has performed miracles, so he's thinking, if I can just get Jesus to come to the side, the bedside of my daughter, I'm com- I'm confident Jesus can transform her life. Verse 24 it says. He went with them, and, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So we're in the middle of a story. Jesus it just meets a man who is saying, hey, my daughter's at the point of death. Would you come to our house? She needs to be transformed. Her life needs to be saved. Or, you know, her life needs to be spared. But, folks, along the way, people are following crowds all around him. We encounter a, another God moment, a divine appointment, where we see a, a lady, a woman... With no name. In verse 25. Almost as soon as we're introduced to the story of Jairus and his daughter. A lady without a name. And the school writers don't give us her name. They don't let us know what's going on with her, her name. They don't they see that that's the, the most appropriate thing. Or most important thing. But we know some things about her condition. She was suffering. This lady had suffered for over 12 years. Imagine More than a decade had suffered with it. The word of God says it was an issue of blood. And verse 25 says there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. The word discharge means she was hemorrhaging. And no doubt she was anemic. Verse 26 says who had suffered much under many physicians. And had spent all that she had was no better but rather grew worse. Aren't you thankful today that we live in one of the most incredible cities in, in the world and have world-renowned physicians that God has blessed us. We have some of the best medical care you could possibly have anywhere in our city. But folks, this was not the case in in this biblical time and in this biblical city. In fact, uh, a lot of the doctors back then trusted more in sorcery and, and they dealt with all of these uh, strange things uh, more than they trusted in science and They would experiment with all these concoctions of mixing together owl brains and frog livers. And some believe that if you kissed the the nose of a mule, you would be healed and and brought back to to good health. And so there's a lady who was suffering. She was also spiritually unclean. Because of this issue of blood, she would have been declared unclean. And so she was unable to go to temple worship. She could not gather here in the church and be a part of a, a large gathering of people. And so she was relegated to uh, being by herself. She was alone. She was uh, uh, forgotten. She was uh, a burden on society. Having traveled to India many times, uh, many t- in that culture, a lot of times when a lady's husband dies, they considered a widow, a, a burden... On society, and they're unfortunately they're not treated well, and they're they're oftentimes uh, put on the back. They have to sit in the back of church. They uh, many of the ladies in India wear beautiful uh, uh, flowers in their hair, and and, and ladies, uh, someone who's lost their husband, are not allowed to wear those flowers any longer. And there's it's just a it's a, a it's hard to watch. Honestly, and she was suffering. She was. Considered unclean. And and so nobody could be around her. She was broke. Uh, Verse 26 says that she had spent all of her finances. All of her means trying to get help. And she was destitute. She needed help. She needed more than a human being could offer her. Verse 27 says she had heard reports about Jesus. And she came up behind him in the crowd. And she touched his garment. I love this story because every time I've read it in in the gospels, the different accounts give a little bit different variations of the story. She had enough faith. If I can just get close enough to Jesus that I can reach out and, and touch his garment as he's passing through the city streets. She trusted and believed that God could and would heal her body. Man, if we only had that kind of faith in this world, that we would trust God. And the Word of God says that we have the, a faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed. We could move mountains. If we just believe, if we just touch the hem of His garment, Jesus could radically transform our lives. Praying in faith, believing. Verse 28, If I just touch even His garment, I will be made well. Luke tells us that she grabbed uh, onto the fringe of His cloak. And, folks, Before we go any further, uh, let me just say something about her faith had a little superstition in it. Her theology probably wasn't straight out of the Baptist faith and message. She probably wasn't having everything exactly crossed and dotted and all of that. But I want to say the same thing. If you think of the thief that hung beside Christ. On the cross. He didn't have time to sit through. Discipleship training. He didn't have time to do all those things. But he believed Jesus was the son of God. He believed that he was holy. He was perfect. He was deity. And he understood that He was a sinner. And he was in desperate need of a savior. And when he says father remember me. When you enter into your kingdom. It was a child like faith. Here's a woman who has. A childlike faith, if I could just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, Jesus can radically transform my life. In Matthew chapter 18, it says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think sometimes in our culture today, we want to make coming to faith in Christ too difficult. Folks, if it's too difficult, you and I are getting left out. If it's too difficult, we would never be able to earn or gain God's favor. But I'm thankful a childlike faith is all required. As soon as she touched his garment, verse 29 says, Immediately the flow of blood dried up as she felt in her body that she was healed of this disease. I love that as, as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, she immediately knew she was healed. I'm telling you, talk about a, a, a celebration, talk about a, a victory lap, so to speak. There's no telling what I was going through in my verse 30 says, Jesus, perfe- perceiving in himself that power had gone up from him, immediately turned about of the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Think about it for just a moment. Jesus knew exactly who had touched him. So why did he ask the question? Jesus, uh, he, he asked the question for the woman's benefit. And I, can, I was thinking about this week. I think he wanted to enable her to give testimony of what Jesus had just done. Because you see, when we believe, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, there's a transformation in our heart that takes place. Christ is radically transforming. Belief is personal. But folks, it must also go public. That's one of the purposes behind baptism. Sometimes people put all the emphasis on baptism. But folks, baptism is simply an outward sign of an inward change. Once Jesus has radically transformed your life, we ought not be ashamed of it. We ought to say, hey, I can't wait to tell the world that Jesus has saved my soul. Laura, when you got baptized last year, and, and Brad, it was that transformation. I remember the joy on your face. I remember baptizing Chris and Kelly. Uh, happy birthday, Kelly, by the way. Uh, the other day, uh, last year, or about a little over a year ago, have a chance to baptize them and, and celebrate their faith in, in Jesus Christ. And it, the water doesn't magically save you. Our faith in Jesus saves us. But what happens is, it's an outward expression of that inward change in our life. He wanted to give her an opportunity to give testimony of what Jesus had done. Luke chapter 12, verse 8 says, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. I love baptism is such a beautiful picture It's reminding us of the sacrifice uh, of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he also he wanted to build her belief and strengthen her faith. Here Jesus wanted her to see that God had a, a plan and he was radically transforming her faith. We see also he wanted to show the crowd that she's now clean. And she's able to be around other people. And she, so he wanted to, them to see that her life had been radically transformed. And Romans chapter 10 verse 11 says, the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Here's a lady that we don't know a name. We don't know anything about who she was. We just know that she had been struggling with her health for over 12 years. And Jesus radically transforms her. And so he asked who touched me because he wanted her to be able to testify of what Jesus Christ had done in her life. In verse 31, it says, you see the crowd pressing around you? The disciples begin to have a a hissy fit. You ever see somebody, you change the plan on them and they get all bent out of shape? You change the plan on them and like, boy, you start seeing some anger. I mean, nostrils start flaring and you cha- I tell our people all the time when we prepare for foreign mission trips, I'm like, when we go to Nicaragua, we're on Nicaraguan time in the right time. I mean, you go on there, you better not try to plan it on American time because they don't operate like that. I mean, you, and we'll have an entire 7, eight, ten days mapped out of these are all the things we're doing. We're going here. We're ministering there. You're going to be giving a testimony. We're all singing. Uh, in Spanish, that's rough with this crowd, but we're, we try. I mean, Sharon, you're going to have to be on our next mission team down there because uh, we're going to need you to interpret. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's a struggle. But we get down there, and all of a sudden, the plans blow out the window as you're driving down the road and all of a sudden the, the Lord starts working and doors open up to do something over here, minister there or, or go to this house or have a Bible study over here or, or or go pray for this sick person over here and folks, I tell our team be flexible because God is up to something and I tell, we, we're soliciting uh, support from, from back home and we ask our church to be on your knees praying For our mission teams as we go. Why? Because the devil's going to do everything he can to distract. So here's the disciples. Jesus, inner circle, his staff, the the people he's investing in his life, he's training, he's discipling them. And they're going, why in the world did you ask who touched you? You know exactly who, t- and they're like kind of like when, when the children were coming around to Jesus, they're like y'all need to go away. And Jesus said, no, suffer the little children to come to me. He saw it as a ministry opportunity. So the disciples are going, what in the world are these people all doing? You see the crowd pressing. You say, who touched me? Uh, they were they were kind of getting feisty with them, but it was important for them to understand what Jesus was actually doing. In fact, verse thirty-two, he says he looked around. To see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her. We see that she came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. And told him the whole truth. Jesus used this opportunity to disciple the entire crowd of what the life transforming power of the gospel could do in your life. Folks, it wasn't just about the issue of blood. She had a much deeper problem in her heart and her soul, where she needed to trust in Jesus—not just to heal her physically, but spiritually. He wanted him to her to train her life to be transformed. So don't miss what happens next. A man, uh, all of a sudden, this man of fame—he's—he's he's also along with this journey because remember, they're traveling to Jairus' house. Here's a lady who kind of stops the show, so to speak, and touches the the garment of Jesus. And and so we see what takes place. Jesus came. He came for those who have fame and those who are also living in shame. Think about it. Jesus came for those who have fame. Jairus, who is an important official Uh, And he also came for those who are living in shame. A lady who uh, is is banned from public worship. A lady who can't be in crowds of people. Jesus came for those who have fame and those who live in shame. And verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And I love what he calls her. He calls her daughter. Jairus. Came asking for him to come and heal his daughter. He heals this lady along the way and he calls her daughter. If you are a lady this morning, you are a daughter of the Savior. He's our, our, our heavenly father. And folks, if you are a, a, a man today, you are, and you know Christ is your Savior, you're a son of the Father. He's adopted us into the family of God. And I love the, the beautiful pictures of all of us. She's a daughter now of the King. For 12 terrible years, she had been a nobody, but now she is called a daughter of God. It was her faith that made her well, not something, uh, not just the garment of Jesus that didn't do anything. It was her faith that Jesus could radically transform her life. But then look at verse 35. We see a dead daughter. After calling a nameless woman daughter, we see Verse 35, messengers come from Jairus' house. It says, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I don't know about you, but sometimes when we're waiting on God to answer, you and I, well, I'm just going to say, I get impatient. My type A, my... OCD, my wanting God to act right now, I'm like, God, you've only got about 30 minutes to come through, and this is going to be it, I mean, so we're putting God on a stopwatch, and have you ever do that with your kids, like, you're going to do, you're going to read this uh, book for the next 30 minutes, and I will set a timer, anybody do that, uh, we don't count in our house, of these parents that count, one, two, immediate obedience, or, or else there's a consequence. But here, I mean, we were setting a timer and we're like, God, if you could just come and heal my daughter right now, everything's going to be okay. But along the way, a divine appointment came and a lady is healed who had an issue of blood for 12 years. So now and there's people who, messengers who come in from Jairus' house and say, oh, by the way, don't worry about bringing Jesus now. Your daughter's dead. Let's, let's pick up the story and, Verse 35, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? My human mind is thinking, I can't imagine what Jairus is thinking. It's, if it weren't for this lady, who Jesus could have easily gone back and healed in a later time, if she hadn't gotten in the way, my my daughter would still be alive. You know, or anybody else tracking with it? Hey, if... if if only this hadn't happened, Jesus would have been over there to heal my daughter. Let me remind you God is never late. He's seldom early, He's always on time. You believe that this morning? God is never late, He's seldom early. And he's always on time. And church, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, He couldn't have arrived any earlier because God was going to transform a lady's life who thought she was nobody, and she left that day realizing she was somebody. She was a daughter of the King of Kings. Jesus was going to radically transform her, so He's never late. He's seldom early. He's always on time. So I've got a question for you. Are you okay with the divine delay? Are you okay when God says, hold on, we're gonna hit pause for just a moment. And we're gonna we're gonna sit here and watch God work. There's a conversation you need to have with a coworker. And I know you hate your job because you've told everybody how much you hate your job. And there's a co-worker that you're going to be there to minister to. And they're going to need someone who can take them to the throne of grace and say, Jesus Christ radically delivered me from the hand of the enemy. And you're the only person in that office. You're the only person in that school who can tell them that Jesus Christ transformed your life. You're the only one that say, I've been down that road. I've experienced the pain. I've experienced the loss. I've experienced the defeat. I've experienced cancer. I've done all these things and Jesus Christ got the victory. I've gone through defeat. I've gone through divorce. I've gone through loss of a child. I've done all of these things and Jesus Christ still delivered me. Church, what happens is these divine delays are opportunities for the Holy Spirit of God to transform lives, Romans eight twenty eight says, "We know that for the, those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, delays are really part of God's divine design, and their their interruptions are part of God's appointments for each of us. Sometimes we can miss these because." We, we get irritated by God's divine appointments. We're like, I've got to get to work. But my child isn't getting ready for school all the time. I ever had one of those moments and you're like, I mean... Good heavens! I mean, the kids are taken forever, they're not. I've gone in their room five times, and they're still in bed. Some of your parents are laughing because you you know what it's like, and every day's a struggle. And you, I mean, you you drop them off for practice, and they forgot their their elbow pads. They forgot, you know, their helmet. They forgot their lacrosse stick. They forgot whatever. You just fill in the blank, and you're sitting there going, I mean, but sometimes those divine delays. Or another opportunity for God's grace to shine. It's an opportunity for conversations to be had. It's an opportunity. Sometimes that delay. Have you ever gone and you get on the road. And man there was a major accident. And you're thinking that child. Who I was literally about to have some serious conversation words with. And I come to Jesus with. Uh, by them being late this morning. God spared us from being involved in a horrible accident. Out in front of our neighborhood. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in opportunities. I've I've driven down the road and thinking, that could have been us. It happened right before. And we were supposed to have already been on the road. And that could have been our family that was killed in an accident. Folks, what happens is divine delays. God is working. Trust his plan. Trust his His process and what he's trying to accomplish. Verse 36, do not fear. Only believe. He, He keeps saying, keep on believing. Keep trusting. Stop fearing. Only believe. Jesus was calling him to have fervent faith in the face of what seemed impossible. Verse thirty-seven says, "When he followed, when he uh, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James." Verse thirty-eight says, "They came to the house." Jesus saw commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly at Middle Eastern funerals. They would often hire professional mourners. I heard someone one time say, when I die, I want lots of weeping. I want everybody to be totally upset that I'm gone. But they, would, they would hire professional mourners. Verse 39 says, when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, Jesus says, but sleeping. That child's not dead. He's just asleep. And I'm reminded: for the believer, death is only sleeping. Because this is not the end. First Peter, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Folks. But the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be what church? Changed. God says, that child is not dead. They're just asleep. And that's the beautiful thing about the follower of Jesus Christ. When this, our final breath is taken in this life, that is not the end for a believer. It's just. The beginning. Because folks, when we leave this world, we're very much alive in the next world. And Jesus Christ has prepared us for that for all of eternity worshiping him. Verse 40 says, they they laughed at him. His disciples laughed at him. The word means to ridicule or scorn. And and, verse 40 says, he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother. Those who were with him and went in to where the child was. Verse 41 says, taking her by the hand, said to her, Talitha which means little girl, I say to you, arise. I love how Jesus gently takes hold of her hand. Verse 42 says, immediately the child, the girl got up, began walking. She was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome. With amazement. But God gets involved, folks. She didn't need to go to physical therapy. She didn't need to go to a rehab center to learn how to walk all over again. No, when Jesus took her hand and called her to arise, just like Lazarus came forth out of that grave, she stood up and began to walk. I, I, I love it. Verse 43 says and he strictly charged them that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Here's a child woke up, I'm telling you, I've got four teenagers in my house, and when they get up, they are starving. <laughs> Here's a little twelve year old, a little girl who's like, I'm hungry. I'm starving. Mama, what's for dinner? What and you're like, I mean, uh, for I feel bad. About my my wife sometimes. She's like, why is it always my decision to come up with what's for dinner? I mean, why don't you figure out what's for dinner tonight? And why don't and why don't the kids figure out what's for? How is it always my my responsibility here? A child is starving, and, and Jesus says, somebody make this child a, a, a dinner, make them something to eat. So, what's the application? What if we start seeing our interruptions as God's? Appointments. What if you and I begin to see our interruptions, our delays, our pauses in this life as a divine appointment that God is wanting to do something greater. When things don't go as planned, why not say a quick prayer, God help me not to be irritated so I can see the appointment that you have for me in this very moment. God, help me to see the purpose of this delay, of this struggle, of this trial, because God is trying to use it for my good, but ultimately for His glory. Identify a situation in which you need to stop fearing and start having faith. Think about your own world right now. What is it in my life that is causing great periods of fear that I need to start saying, God? I'm going to trust you because you're working out your perfect plan for my life. A.W. Tozer said, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. You see, when we believe in the sovereignty of God, there is no pandemic that can scare me. There's no doctor's orders that can scare me. And you say, Pastor David, well, I I don't agree with that. I'm not living in fear because I have faith in a God who overcame death, hell, and grief. There's nothing that's too difficult. So here's a lady who spent Plagued with a a health condition for over 12 years, who no doubt had probably prayed many times, God, heal my body. God, take this problem, this struggle for me. It's like Paul and the thorn in his flesh. But she trusted enough to reach out and touch the hem of Christ's garment, and he transformed her life. Jairus, who's a man of position and power, comes and says, if you would just come and touch my daughter, she'd be made whole. See that power of touch. This morning, Jesus Christ wants to touch your life and he wants to transform your life this morning. Maybe you're here and you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. It does not matter what your life ha- ha- has faced in the last 20, 30, 40, or 98 years. From Ms. Doris Ross in our, our church. Jesus Christ cares. And he desires to transform your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. Paul writes for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus wants to transform your life this morning. He did so for Jairus' daughter. He did so for this woman with an issue of blood. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He desires, in fact, He delights in transforming your life. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me invite you to turn to the Savior. Come to Jesus. He will radically and completely transform. Live. and once you receive Him, He'll turn to you and say, I delight in you, my daughter. I celebrate you, my son. Because when we come to faith in Jesus, he doesn't just save us from our sin. He becomes our heavenly father. And folks, he'll walk with us every single moment. through all of eternity. Heavenly father, this morning, I pray that you would speak to hearts.